0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken em. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan Jay. Hello, hello, hello. Folks. We have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely we want to interact with you in the conversation. So head on over to odphpodcast.com, join in on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Podchaser, drop a five-star review while you're there, and always remember to use the hashtag odphpod because, man, we got a lot to discuss. Yeah. Kicking off this edition of the podcast, though, one of our favorites has finally returned to the airwaves. Yeah. It's been a long hiatus, at least in our eyes, because when this show was originally announced, we didn't know what to expect. Yep. Really was on the fence, okay, how is this going to be? Is it going to be like the Snyderverse? Is it going to be something completely different? Yeah. But man, oh man, the CWs, Superman and Lois, Mm -hmm. has been one of the biggest surprises in TV in recent memory. Yeah. That obviously debuting in February, instantly renewed. This show reminds you, if you've been jaded from the Snyderverse or completely forgot why Superman matters, this show brings you back in very quickly. Or just like
1: a more, I don't want to say, more depth to the character than just, hey, he flies around and beats shit up.
0: Well, it's the question that you have with Superman, that is he too outdated. I know that a lot of people go back and forth about this. But in my eyes, Superman is up there as the original Boy Scout. Yeah. Truth, justice, and the American way is how he was always brought into the reader's homes. And he has that certain ideals that are timeless when we talk superheroes. They're not something that should go away. There's the code like we talked about with Jupiter's Legacy that the Utopian has. This is something that... Got its origin from Superman. Yeah. Superman is not going to do things Batman does. He's not going to do things the Punishers does. He does his own thing and writes the book on how to be a superhero 101. That's why he's had the longevity that he's had throughout the years. That even in his lowest moments, and when they've tried doing refreshes in the comics, it goes back to the core essence of who he is.
1: Yeah, he's an ideal that ideally most people you know, strive to achieve towards.
0: Yes, and that is the basis on which every single superhero is based off of, in my opinion. Yeah. Then I think you can look how everybody is. And sure, there's differences throughout the his- history of time. But Superman is the end-all, be-all benchmark that everybody's set against. And see him come to film and TV, there's been quite the iterations and, obviously, everybody has a very polarizing opinion of the Snyderverse take, mm-hmm. which, hey, to each their own. Yeah, Not saying one's right, one's wrong. But, man, oh, man, if you have been disconnected from what you've seen recently, Tyler Hoechlin, in a short window of time, mm-hmm. has really made an argument for being the best Clark Kent slash Superman. Yeah, no, he's in that conversation. He's in the talk. Like, with Christopher Reeve, Henry Cavill, he is in that discussion. Easy.
1: Oh, yeah. uh, Christopher Reeve, obviously very good. You know, one of the best. Henry Cavill, I would say, is probably the most knowledgeable Mm -hmm. when it comes to Superman. Just some of the stuff I've read from behind the scenes of, like, choices they were looking to do at Man of Steel. he's like, no, you shouldn't do that. Here's why you should do this. And I'm going to give you, like, 9,000 reasons and explanations why.
0: Yeah. And then whatever your opinion is on Dean Cain still as Clark Kent and Superman. He was was good. And he's in that conversation. Tom Willing as well. Yes. I mean, you can go on and on. But... Tyler Hoechlin has really made this his role and he has really made this show a must watch show along with Elizabeth Tolick. and there's dynamic as Superman and Lois where we now see how they're being parents to superpowered children mm-hmm. and really had their lives turned upside down. I mean the premise this is the show is they move their kids away from Metropolis
1: hustle and bustle.
0: Yes, to Smallville because Of a family tragedy, yep, and now they set up camp there. But the problems that they had in Metropolis are slowly creeping back on them in Smallville. You say quiet life, simple life, but you just
1: you're just changing backgrounds and sceneries for the same issues, yes.
0: And we are going to start talking some spoilers about this in three, two, one. Because when you break down the dynamic of what Superman is now doing, he still has a face, a Lex Luthor type villain in Morgan Edge. We do see that there is another Luthor in this universe, albeit yep. it's not Lex Luthor that we know. Yep, that has been the billionaire, and obviously LexCorp. No, this is a soldier from a different timeline.
1: Yeah, and also simultaneously, you have Clark, who slightly fewer duties now that he's not working at the Daily Planet anymore, but he still has to keep up his worldly duties of protecting the world and protecting you know everything that he can on top of just the ever-escalating family
0: drama going on. Mm -hmm. And then we see he has two sons, not that we've seen him without a son in the comics, but the brothers are playing a certain dynamic off each other. The one is super-powered, as we know of right now. The other, to be determined, dot, dot, dot. Lois has quit the Daily Planet. She's now setting up shop in Smallville and really trying to dig into a conspiracy that's going on about why things are falling in the place that they are. The Superman coming back there is almost seems like fate. Mm -hmm. That Smallville, his town that he's defended and grown up with, he now has to go back to and really clean up something that is happening. And it's kind of weird to see because you figure the metropolis, that's where all the action would be. But Smallville... Is now taking on a whole different identity of itself.
1: Yeah, in Smallville, obviously, as we know from the first five episodes, it's kind of fallen by the wayside and fallen on hard times. Whereas you look at, at Metropolis and the bright, shining utopia, where you know, everything's mostly hunky dory, most, uh, mostly, uh, mostly okay. You look at Smallville on the other side, where you know, job situation is not ideal. People are down and out on their luck. Houses are getting foreclosed on. You know the. the Population is steadily declining, you know, the the kids aren't staying around once they hit that certain age and it's like looking like Smallville's future
0: is uh, very bleak. Yes. And they're definitely tying into different elements that really are capturing you as a viewer to see that this is not gonna be the same old Superman story you've seen and read. This has given such a fresh take on it, and the presentation has been nothing but top shelf. To see that they took a little hiatus because they had to take a break in production. Yep. To see him finally come back on the small screen has been nothing short of amazing. So we are going to be breaking down the spoilers of Episode 6, Broken Trust, which just dropped. Super excited to see the show back. So, Pad, let's just jump right into it. What did you think?
1: Uh, I thought it was a very good episode. I got a lot of Smallville vibes off of it, just from like, especially the early seasons of
0: Smallville. Uh, But it was a great return, and it got me really excited to see where they go from here. Absolutely. I (laughs) thought they did a great job about establishing the tone back. And obviously, it was not a season finale or mid-season break. I mean, they had to stop because of production issues due to COVID. Mm -hmm. So thus, they are back. And now we kick in where Jordan, the superpowered son, Yep has his own arch nemesis per se in tag who was another student at the school who now has developed superpowers as well. And tag has no idea what is going on with him. He is honestly just completely lost as much as Jordan is.
1: Yeah. I would say for as much issues as one has at that age and and just going through all the team drama and, and changes, you know, he's got that thrown into something he was not expecting in any way, shape or form. And, and, Jordan's kind of at the benefit and has the the fallback of his father. Like, okay, he things are different and happening in a different way than they did with you. But I still have you to fall back on. Tag ain't got nobody.
0: Tag has nobody, and this is what's going to be the dynamic that's moving forward for this episode. Because where Tag goes from here is he goes and kidnaps. Sarah.
1: Yeah, Lana's uh, daughter.
0: Yes, who has been a friend with him growing yeah. up in Smallville. Totally same thing to do. Well, you know, at this stage, he's paranoid and scared, which yeah. you have to understand. When you don't have a base around you yeah. and you have superpowers you can't control, yeah. you're going to go to people that you trust, yeah. and he trusts Sarah. So it makes a lot of sense for this move to happen. But looking at Superman's eyes, he now knows somebody is aware of Jordan's powers and is freaking out. because
1: Yeah, and there's even video of the attack, and he's gone to jump to the conclusion. Well, it's not really jumping to the conclusion. He's come to the conclusion that the reason he has these powers and what happened is because of Jordan. Mm -hmm.
0: And this is something that he now has to keep track of because when Superman is trying to go after Tag, he accidentally cuts him off, and there's a big train wreck sequence. Which, Once again, we can't stress this enough. The production team at Superman and Lois does such an amazing job. Oh yeah, with the Superman action sequences. I will say it's
1: you know it's one of the knocks we've had with the Arrowverse with Arrow, Flash, oh, facts. Legends that the production with the special effects just isn't up to snuff. I really when we realize it's television and we realize they can't do a full fledged movie special effects budget and make it look like the movies, but there is still like. You still see stuff on TV today, especially with some stuff that it doesn't look that bad. You're like, okay, yeah, it's a TV, but it still looks pretty good. This is leaps and bounds better than what we've seen on the CW.
0: This is where we talk about the DC Universe when it was running before it was absorbed in HBO Max. The production level is just that high. So to see it now brought to the small screen, I'm applauding it. I hope the rest of the shows really take note to see how this gets done, because this is really making it kind of feel like a big motion picture. And I love that about the show. Because once you have Superman scaring off Tag and then he go, Tag goes away to take care of Sarah mm-hmm. and you know try getting himself in the right place, you do see the other elements of the Kent family starting to take shape. Mm-hmm. And that is Lois is now being a concerned mother, but she is now investigating Morgan Edge. Yeah,
1: because being the smart cookie she is, she smells a rotten story when she sees one and she knows
0: something's going on. Yes, yeah, so that she's fully aware that not everything is what it seems in Smallville. No. Says so she's investigating his newest purchase of the mines that were in Smallville. And ironically, Morgan Edge is making a PR move by promoting Lana Lang as the head of the project. Yeah. Which I thought was a very cool move because he knows what he's doing to
1: win over the crowd of Smallville. Yeah, and he's definitely trying to blow some sunshine up uh, you-know-whats where he's, he's trying to get people to turn a blind eye, like, hey, listen, things might not be on the up and up, but he's doing a good job for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, Adam Reitner who's playing Morgan Edge, is doing a great job with it. He's definitely playing a smarmy son of a bitch. But he's borrowing so much from Luthor yeah. in the comics. like yeah. that's, that's just one thing to note with, that obviously we do have another Luthor from another timeline in this universe. Yeah. Just to see how much they're borrowing that Luthor element. I don't want to say it's a drawback, but it's noticeable. Yeah. That I much would have rather had a different character with a different take on it. But I digress. He's doing a, a great job being Morgan Edge and doing what they need to do by pulling the strings in Smallville. And that is something that this show desperately needs is a great antagonist to go with.
1: Yeah, especially since, let's face it, we don't know what the situation is with that universe as Lex Luthor. Currently, we know he's with Supergirl, but we don't know if he's going to make the jump over to regular Superman. So... For the time being, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes sense to do. And obviously with another Luthor in this universe who they title The Stranger Uh because it was one from the first pilot of the episode where he goes and he is starting to fight Superman, and you don't have a reason why. And I will say that once we start to dig into the motives of Captain Luthor, as he's known, Wally Parks is playing him very well. And he's now acting like a reporter as well to get close to Lois because in his universe... He was married to Lois. Yep. And Superman went injustice Mm -hmm. on everybody in that universe. So he's making it his mission to prevent it from happening in this world, which is a very interesting play to see on how Superman is in the different multiverses. Yeah. So it's always kind of cool to see that factor thrown in. I love when they did the big reveal of this, but now you understand his motives. And that makes him a very sympathetic villain. That always is great because when you understand their motivations, Mm -hmm. and you can say, okay, I can see that point. It just adds such a dynamic to the story. Oh, absolutely! So as they start digging into Morgan Edge, they're go off in their own adventure. You see, it goes back to the boys for the next part of the episode, and for the majority of it too. Because yeah. at its heart, it is trying to show the dynamic between Jordan and Jonathan, mm-hmm. and Jordan Ellis and Alex Arfin do play the brothers very well. Yeah, like they are definitely playing off each other. As you see in each episode, they're getting very comfortable with each mm-hmm. other's roles, mm-hmm. and they're playing off that. You see Jordan, who's now the big super son and really kind of making the most of that situation, even though he's now demonstrating issues with his pro with his powers. Yeah.
1: Which like I said, it, it's kind of made me have, feel like I was watching some of the early seasons of Smallville where, you know, in Smallville Clark didn't get all of his powers at once, that they kind of came one at a time. And when they'd go to introduce a new power, he couldn't control it. And it would just, you know, I especially remember the heat episode where it was like a middle of the summer or something like that. And it was like a dry point. Like there wasn't much rain and all of a sudden he's just setting like crops on fire, buildings on fire, and he just can't control it, and it's what you saw here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You see Garvin really trying to element the – or really bring that point to the screen, too, with his actions because he is just really writhing in pain from all these headaches. And Elsis, which I apologize I mispronounced it earlier, is being the good brother about trying to support him and get him in a way and trying to figure out what's going on. And they play that dynamic so very well in this show. I have to just fully applaud that that now they're trying to cover up his superpowers. They're also trying to focus on the big football game because, yep. hey, it's high school, it's football, it is uh, what it is. Oh, yeah. And they're facing some
1: old friends.
0: Yeah. Who are they facing?
1: Uh, the old team in uh, Metropolis.
0: Yes. So there's a little backstory going on there. And with Jonathan Kent was supposed to be the star quarterback there, when he came to Smallville, he was third string. Yeah. He has now gotten himself back into the lineup. Uh, through some unfortunate circumstances. Yes. But yeah. Uh, they're
1: playing the football game and beat jordan has one of his headaches power reactions whatever you want to call it and is supposed to be blocking the quarterback or protecting the quarterback and he doesn't and the quarterback gets hit taken out for injury and i don't know the coach just really must hate the other brother at this point you know jonathan he just must hate him because jonathan is a quarterback he is the third string quarterback and yet the co- The coach decides to run the wildcat offense or whatever the hell he's running and put in somebody who's not a quarterback. And And Jonathan's literally standing there like, Coach, I'm a quarterback. I know the plays. I used to play for that team. I know the defense. Like, why are you not using this?
0: I think it just goes with his character that when Jonathan came in, he was the uber popular cool kid. Yeah. And that stuff is not going to fly. He, he was the big city jock. Yeah, he's a big city jock and now he's a small town water guy. Yeah, I mean, essentially, but is what it is. And this kind of plays that he has his own little redemption story that when you get knocked down and, and a fall from grace per se, mm-hmm. you got to pick yourself back up. And he did a great job about leading back in. You know, Jordan went out of his way to protect him. Yeah. And albeit, though, he did cause a little ruckus on the field. And noticeably, he was going to start losing control of his powers. Yeah. Now, luckily... Coach Clark Kent was there.
1: Right. And had no idea what was going on because they were stupidly keeping this from him.
0: Yes. But they want to try taking care of their own problems, which Clark can understand because yeah. he did it from mom and pa Kent.
1: Well, that's and that's something that kids, I'm sure everyone listening has dealt with, that you have something going on in your life, and even at their age, that you just, whatever reason, don't want to tell mom and dad. That, like, you know your parents have told you, hey, listen, you can tell us anything. You can come to us any any issue. No problem. But if you just you have that in back here like oh if i come to them about this they're gonna be pissed they're gonna do x y and z and you hide it from them but then when it comes out they're like no it's fine you're like we understand it we you know obviously not for we can't relate to this situation but like various situation, we've gone to our parents for and explain like no yeah we get it we've been there
0: yeah and clark has to do the save where he puts his hand over jonathan's eye or jo- jordan's eyes rather yeah and just absorbs let, all this let it out yeah and he lets go of the heat vision yeah which, that was a cool scene, i, I, I got to admit. Pulled like, at the heartstrings. Yep, and it definitely you understand what he's going through. I mean, Clark is sitting there struggling that he can't just go fix the world like he usually does. Yeah,
1: because Jordan having enough issues trying to control his powers and not have them explode, but then he gets targeted by the entire defense. Yes. Because there is that shot of the two players from Metropolis who they're getting ready to uh, – Jonathan's getting ready to snap the ball. He's going through his cadence, and they just cut to the shot of the two defensive Metropolis players, and they just look at each other nod and smile, and I saw that, I'm like, oh, he's about to get his head taken off. And sure as shit, the entire defense goes for Jordan.
0: Yep. So it was kind of cool play back to their Metropolis days because you know they're going to have a little bit of teen drama. Oh, yeah. But like I said, it's not so overbearing that it's a turnoff for the show, that it's something that just has a different dynamic. Meanwhile, you have Tag, who took Sarah and has her isolated because he's just looking for a friend to help, Yeah, is now spotted in Metropolis. Mm-hmm. And General Lane, who is just the All work worst, and no play. is just the worst.
1: His, his timing is shit.
0: Yes. Calls Clark and says, we need you. We found him. You got to go take care of the threat.
1: SOS, last mayday, mayday.
0: Yeah. So Clark takes off. Meanwhile, the boys are now struggling with trying to accept, okay, we had another outbreak at school. They're in the game. So the they're, powers at the, are losing.
1: They're, yeah, they're at the hotel.
0: Yeah, so they're at the hotel, and the other guys are saying, hey, let's get out of here for a little bit. Let's go party. Yep. They run into the Metropolis team. Yeah. Words are exchanged. The bullies are trying to go after Jordan. Little do they know, Jordan is super Jordan. Yep. And decides to take a swing. Mm-hmm. And kudos to Jonathan Kent for being smart. I'm say, yeah. And sacrificing his throwing hand. And possibly to, his career. Yes, to block that punch. And you see that bone break. Meanwhile, you have Superman, during this entire time, yep. confronting Tag yeah. and trying to be talk him down. the voice of reason. And really trying to talk him down from what he's doing and, keep, and kidnapping well, Sarah.
1: Because Tag is like, going, brain is going like a million miles an hour. No, I got to do X, Y, and Z. I, you know, blah blah blah, blah. and Superman's like, no, listen, you have my word, I will help you. Nothing bad will happen to you. Then you get the army busting in with
0: guns drawn, pointed at him. Yes, and Sam, and like I said, General Lane is not hearing any of this, and he says, take out the threat. And Superman's screaming at him, stand down. One of which decides to make the worst judgment call possible, <laughs> firing kryptonite bullets at Superman. Like five of them. Yes. Four, if at least four, possibly five. I can't remember. And the minute he did this. Oh, I saw that. And I'm like, yo, he's about to whoop his ass. I'm like, there's a certain line you do. They say you don't talk on Superman's cape. You also don't shoot kryptonite at him. Uh-huh. He no-sells it like certain wrestlers we know. Nah, he sold it a bit, but. He he's, he's sold it for like yeah. a half second, but it was it was not as long as I thought it should be. Because... It was at this
1: moment. He knew. He fucked up.
0: Yep. And immediately flies right in that soldier's face, and he said, I'm telling you to stand down.
1: And everybody just drops the guns. Yep,
0: because you have the most powerful being on the entire planet, I'll say, let's, pissed. I'll say, let's
1: face it, he could uppercut you into the orbit of Pluto.
2: Yeah.
0: So during that time, he does have that kind of calming influence you would say so Uh, so to speak keep
1: keep that in mind because that'll come back into play in a couple of minutes yes
0: because once superman has his words with the team and tells them to stand down and they do apprehend tag he decides to have a uh heart to heart yes i was gonna say how do you say heart to heart but it's not heart to heart with sam about using live kryptonite and shooting at a kid yeah And Sam is going at this saying he's a threat. He does not accept him as being a normal human anymore. He just sees him as a weapon, which is his prerogative to do.
1: Which is true. Yeah, it's your choice. But you've also got the most powerful being in the world in the room. Which the kryptonite
0: bullets should be a last resort. Yes. So once he's having this argument with him, Clark does catch wind about Jonathan screaming that... His hand is broken, and you see that Jordan is now kind of venting out about the fight that is happening with the Metropolis team. So he takes off immediately, goes to confront him, and we now know what is happening with them, that he is now aware of the problems that are going on. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, during this entire time, you have Lois and Captain Luthor digging around the mines. Although she
1: doesn't know it's Captain Luthor.
0: She doesn't know. No, she's just thinking he's another reporter. But as it turns out... That is not exactly the case. So as they start going through the mines, they realize that there is something here that is hidden that nobody really knows about. Mm -hmm. And, Pad, what is in this mine? Uh, That would be X-Kryptonite. Now, you got the breakdown for this? Yeah, so X-Kryptonite,
1: this is according to the DC uh, fandom Wikipedia page. Uh, And it reads, quote, uh, so the history of the Kryptonite from the comics uh, on Earth One, uh, it was accidentally created by Supergirl in an attempt to create an antidote to Kryptonite poisoning. Ex-Kryptonite temporarily endowed non-Kryptonians, stop me if you've heard this before, Mm -hmm. uh, such as uh, Streaky the Supercat or Ellie Leeds with Kryptonian-like superpowers. And it made its first appearance way back when in Action Comics issue number 261 uh, in February of 1960.
0: Which I applaud him for doing the deep dive on it because it would just be easy to do green kryptonite. Yeah. So the fact that we have a new element of kryptonite, that is going to play in a factor. And as they're digging around, they are confronted by Leslie, who is Morgan Edge's personal hitman yep. or hitwoman, should I say. Yep. And she decides to start trying to attack them. Yeah. Which they wind up escaping because Captain Luthor uses some technology yeah. that yep. ordinary reporters don't have. Nope. I wouldn't even say ordinary reporters, Uh, ordinary humans. Yes. So he unleashes unle- his device, distracts Leslie. They wind up doing the big escape. And Lois is going back to the farm. She's like, what the fuck was that? Is- Get away from me. Yeah. So she's now investigating him now. Because he just tipped his hand. Yeah, which ain't going to work for him. It's not going to work in his favor because once Lois gets back and they start having the family meeting and you see Jonathan's all casted up. Yeah, well, he's got it in a sling, I think. Yeah, he's in a sling at least, but they're saying he might not get. Six to eight weeks, I think they said. Six to eight weeks, might never have full motion again in his hand. Yep. Which I fully think by then his powers will kick in, whatever they're going to be. Could be. I think that's how they're going to do the write out of that one. They all start comparing notes. And Superman is saying, this is why you have to remain in control of your powers, Jordan, at all times. Yeah, I have moments like these, too. Case in point, a couple scenes ago. Yes. And this is a good play on words because everything that Clark is trying to tell Jordan, he's gone through. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a matter of the new guard listening to the old guard. Like, and
1: cutting through the stubbornness of youth.
0: Yes, because obviously he thinks he's 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah. He's he's not 10 foot tall, but he might be bulletproof. It's not
1: a comic thing. It's not a movie thing. It's not a TV thing. It's a life thing. No,
0: because whenever they have a moment where you think that he, Jordan is starting to grasp what's going on, like when they had the quick moment about him punching concrete. Yeah. To kind of test around. And Clark was like, "This is what, uh, this is what my dad had me do. Yeah, this is what my dad had me do you kind of see that go back and forth a little bit. So the parallels is like when Jordan thinks he's taking one step forward, it really goes one step back. Yeah, Not two, but, yeah. It, but he definitely, where he makes a high, he always comes back with a low. And that's one thing that is adding to his character, that he's not instantly Superboy and flying around by himself. Which is good. Yes, it's good. And it kind of adds a little drama to the show, which I think is a good play because Jonathan, while he's being supportive, is pissed that, well, my, you broke my hand. Yeah, my hand is
1: broke. And and Jordan's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's like, I don't care. You might have ended my career. And the and uh, their parents are like, listen, no, he's got a right to be
0: mad. Yeah, he has every right to be mad. And they're doing the right thing about being the parents about this. So as they're having the heart-to-heart, they are meeting up and they're exchanging notes. And Lois is like, oh, yeah, by the way, I almost got killed tonight. Superman's like, wait, what? Yeah, he's like, wait, what happened? And this also goes a, an entire direction of like, okay, we know that... This reporter is not the reporter that he claimed to be. And Clark is kind of explaining about what happened in his situation. So everybody's kind of exchanging what's going on. And meanwhile, you're also having Lana having second thoughts about her promotion. Yeah. Slightly. So she's now kind of tipping her hand that she'll try digging up dirt for Morgan Edge.
1: Which is is odd because it feels like this is coming out of slightly nowhere.
0: Yeah. That was something I took away from the episode too. It was like, it felt rushed.
1: Yeah. It it felt like, I felt like there should have been at least a couple instances. Now that she's kind of in the organization, I would have understood it. If like, there were a couple instances where stuff was happening that weren't quite sitting with her that were, you know, were kind of going against her morals. Then I would have understood it, but, like, I I get her husband's drinking the Kool-Aid and, like, all in on on Morgan Edge and, like, yo, let's go, Mm. but just, it it, it feels rushed.
0: It definitely felt rushed. I mean, I thought that was a low point of the episode, but nothing to really ruin the show. No. By any means. No. Because on the next day, Lois is having the heart-to-heart with Jordan out there and really trying to be a consoling mother and then Jordan has a what appears to be a seizure. Yeah, something's going on where he falls and his body just starts shaking. Yeah, he starts shaking and collapsing. And at this point, Clark comes flying in, does an x-ray vision scan of his head. Yeah, which it's hard to tell what's going on because, well, I'm not a doctor. Yes, and it's also something that appears that there's some energy energy bursting going on yeah, just so- from the quick screen. Like it's, You only see a quick flash of it. Yeah. And it's hard
1: to tell because he's shaking, and
0: so is the the X-ray look. Yes, and Clark immediately goes, I have to get him to the fortress, and flies off, And scene. It's like in in his street clothes. Yes. So that is how it wraps up a man to come back on a strong note like that. I was very impressed with the episode. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, like I said, they really touched upon the elements that really you're starting to get familiar with. The fam- the family dynamic is there. The big action sequence, which we're getting at least one with Superman each episode. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, it's it's a good balance off. I think just the only thing that's going to take a little while to develop is the side dramas going on, like Lois's story. Yeah. I thought they gave enough time to, but not enough to really have me invested just yet. Like, it's almost like the quick play of Captain Luthor. They tipped their hand a little too fast. Yeah. And with Lana flipping around as well, I thought that was also a quick hand too. Wasn't a bad episode by any means. Really enjoyed it. Really thought they are hitting their strides. And for the CW, I think it's that energy boost they need to really move that franchise forward and their DC properties forward. Yeah. I think that for Superman, you need to continue that quality because it's Superman. It's not a B-list or lower superhero. Yeah. It's one of the trinities of DC Comics. He's the guy. Yeah. So you have to deliver on this show because if it falls... It's it's gonna just have a ripple effect that you want to deal with. It's gonna be hard to come back from. And then let's let's be honest. The Flash has been stutter stepping a little too much. And for their other shows, they have coming out. Star Girl, we know is coming back. We know Black Lightning is ending. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow is Legends of Tomorrow. So Superman is gonna be Superman. And Lois is gonna be looking upon there. Batwoman has been doing well too. I have to. I haven't been watching lately, but the episodes I've caught, I've really liked. So, like I say, for rebuilding the Arrowverse without Arrow in it, I think they're really doing a good job with Superman and Lois leading the way.
1: Yeah, no, it's been really good. And like I said, they can't screw this up because it's one thing to mess up a season of Arrow or a season of Flash and come back from it. You mess up this show, it's going to be hard to come back from.
0: Absolutely. So that being said, let us know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thought about the return of Superman and Lois? Episode 6, Broken Trust. We want to have that conversation. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual Livestream for the
3: Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick.
0: Over the past four years, the Livestream for the Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute.
4: That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer.
0: This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air.
3: Tune in May 19th through the
1: 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world.
4: With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer.
1: Together, we can make a difference.
0: Coming back for segment number two here on the ODPH podcast, and you know i got to break down Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite shows out right now has really hooked me in with the emotional portrayals they've been doing and the characters that, frankly, I haven't seen on The Walking Dead in forever. The sense that characters can be taken out at any moment, and they're having big emotional moments to really sell this has been just nothing short of phenomenal. Right. This episode heard a lot of hype behind, so I was definitely excited to check it out. I am going to be talking about spoilers of episode 13 of season six, entitled JD. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, you want to see it, and I highly, highly, highly recommend you do, pause the episode right here because I'm going to start diving into spoilers in three, two, one. Okay. So they're kind of borrowing a little bit from their anthologies they've been doing, having different characters being featured at different points throughout the season. So this one is dealing with the fallout from J.D.'s death, John Dorries, who, I mean, obviously has been a long staple on the show. He was, I want to say, the Daryl Dixon of the show at one point, the noble lawman. And to see where they've been really kind of going from there since his murder has been absolutely really phenomenal. But they're also dealing with the ramifications of what happened with Grace losing her daughter, Athena, last episode. And Morgan, who, like I said, Lenny James, what can you say about him that has an already bit side pad? Uh, he's a real good actor. I'll say that much. He has been absolutely lights out in the show. He has been phenomenal. It's such a nice addition to really make the show stand out from the shadow of Rick Grimes and company. And while he's... Having the back and forth with June, played by Jonathan Elfman, about who's just the ramifications from Athena's death. June takes off to start digging into more information about that certain doomsday cult that has now popped up as the major antagonist. And he, she is also tagged along by Dwight and Sherry. So we are seeing certain familiar friends return to the screen. Obviously, we know mm-hmm. Dwight from the original Walking Dead from being. Negan's right-hand man, Austin Emilio, has been on the show. And and he's been a great addition to the show as well, too. It goes without saying that he's been kind of here and there, but when he's made it on screen, you can see the redemption arc happen with him. And like I say, he's been a great addition for this cast. Christine Evangelista has been playing Sherry, his long-lost ex-wife. And you know how that went with Negan. Yeah. So now they've been reunited and really trying to find their place with each other and back in the world. So they are taken off to go find more information out about the mysterious Doomsday Cult. And as they're going there, they're ambushed. And you're seeing they're having shots fired on them. And it doesn't seem like this is anybody in particular. Like, they originally think it is the Doomsday Cult chasing after them because, let's face it, those guys are absolutely batshit crazy. Just saying. That sounds about right. So during this, they're having this gun battle standoff, which... It is what it is. I mean, it's not as crazy as the typical Walking Dead. Everybody has machine guns and you know, is firing at each other, and it's like G.I. Joe, nobody hits each other. This is something that there's kind of like the little standoff, and June makes the break to go find out who this is. And as she goes to confront the shooter, she finds out that it is someone that we all thought was long gone mm-hmm. and has now been introduced to the story, and that is John Dory Sr., played by the one and only Keith Carradine. Mm. And I got to say, absolutely brilliant job from him in this show because he's coming in and they are determined to figure out, okay, they're after the same person. Right. So he is now chasing after the one and only Teddy, played by your guy. Uh, John Glover. Yep. So we start digging into the mysterious Teddy and you're getting the information that, we have all been kind of waiting to hear about, okay, why is this guy involved? And as they're kind of having that exchange of information, because once June is blown away that she has now found John's dad, this is really where the episode picks up because you start digging into Teddy's background where lo and behold, in shock to nobody, he's a serial killer Yeah, who John had put away in the, I believe it was in the seventies. But this is where, like, the, it became, like, the obsession to convict him right. drove him away from his family. And you did see that John alienate himself from John Jr. and really kind of just forged his own path. And it, there's always been, like, that guilt that is, you know, harbored up inside him. Sure. And they do have the background, like, he gets caught up about what John did when he was alive and how he followed in his footsteps. And you can see John Sr. is like, why would he do that? And just kind of playing just the gruff, grizzled ex-cop and to see that he's still chasing after that one case that that got away because somehow he's he's figured out that Teddy has got away from prison. Obviously, with everything going on in Apocalypse, this happens. Right. And this is one thing that you're noticing in the Walking Dead universe, period. You're seeing characters that were something else completely before the Apocalypse are now very, very different versions of what you entitled them to be. Sure. Like I say, for example... Or entailed to be, rather, I should say. You see with King Ezekiel. Okay. That, well, he was the king of the kingdom. And, right. He you know, had it, a tiger. Yeah, he had a tiger, and then lo and behold, he was a zookeeper. Right. So you have this, and then you have Teddy, who was a serial killer, has some somehow, some way, convinced people to follow in his suicidal mission.
1: I mean, listen, when it's the end of the world and zombies are roaming about, I don't quite Care who's next to me in the trenches. If you're going to help me fight off this horde of zombies next to me, cool. Yes. Unless you're an Astros fan, because fuck you.
0: (laughs) Pat keeps it 100, folks. It doesn't matter if it's a sports show or the entertainment edition. Pat lets you know what he thinks of the Astros. I digress. Back to the show, though, they are having the exchange of information. And then they're also trying to track down John's last whereabouts. Because... For John Sr. to get closure, they do wind up going back to John Jr.'s cabin. Mm -hmm. And during this time, there is uh, one of Virginia's last holdouts, Ranger Hill, Mm -hmm. that is still loose and running running around, but not exactly like he is a major player in this stage because he's been, I don't want to say forgotten about, but once Virginia was killed, has kind of been forgotten by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And then when this is all going on, you're seeing that when they get to the cabin, lo and behold, they find out that hill is there. Mm. And there is this kind of back and forth that John Sr. is basically trying to protect June and go after him, trying to do the right thing, even though he's kind of, I don't want to say going about the, the, with the right methods because he doesn't right. lock her away in the RV that they're traveling in. Right and tries to go solve the case, so to speak. And there is a shootout, and John Sr. gets shot. Uh-oh. So I'm thinking... Now, granted, it was not a headshot, so one thing I'm taking in The Walking Dead, and I'm very surprised at during this whole thing, is when these shots are going on, and they're not, like, a headshot or anything, yeah. people usually survive. Right, I was saying, unless I see a dead body,
1: and it reanimate, I don't believe it's dead.
0: Yeah, because once the John uh, Sr. sees the grave that they put John right. Jr. in... He kind of has an emotional, and he's shot right in the back. So he's shot, like, in his stomach. and the bullet comes out, and you see him kind of fall. But then he does wind up fighting away Hill, Mm -hmm. and June winds up coming in to make the save. So after that, she's been escaping from, like, where John had her hidden aside, she does another kill job to come in. And this point, too, Dwight and Sherry have also made the appearance here as well because they were separated Mm -hmm. during the gunfight going on. And plus, Sherry decides to reveal something as well to, to Dwight, which this will definitely catch your iPad. Okay. So she was trying to leave the group. Oh. And what was she trying to do, Pad? I will give you a guess because I know you didn't see the episode. Nope. Take a guess. Take a wild guess. Why would she leave Morgan's camp and make her way towards Virginia, the state?
1: Uh, she's a uh, oh Christ, what the hell's the word I'm looking for? She's a uh, like a spy, secret agent, like working for the other side.
0: No. Oh, okay. But good guess. She's trying to kill Negan. Oh. Because there is that unfinished business from what happened. Oh, yeah. And she says, I can't live with myself. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Oh, yeah. I need to put a bullet between his eyes.
1: Oh, yeah. That, that, that did happen.
0: And Dwight is sitting there saying, wait, we've just found each other after all this crazy shit has gone on in the apocalypse. You want to go back and do this? this? No, this is not the way to do it. Have we not learned about this? And I would say, like, it was kind of a weird moment to see for Dwight because, I mean, obviously he had his face burned off by by Negan. Yeah. He's saying, you know what, it's okay. Like, he didn't say it was okay, but he was, like, really just trying to say, listen, there's more to this than trying to have revenge on an asshole. We need to, we've now gotten back to each other. Let's focus on this. Let's start over. Let's find us. And that was their kind of side plot this entire episode because Hmm. so much was given to John Sr. as it should have been. Not mad about it at all. Really not mad about it. But they do have that kind of send-off to each other that she was like, okay, well, I was ready to go, ready to go, but now I'm going to come back. So like I said, they went from the send-off to now she's going to stay with the group and really give a send-off to John Jr. Because now the four of them are standing in front of his grave. Right. And there's been a letter that June has carried for the longest time, and she hasn't read, and she finally did. Mm. and very emotional scene with Jenna Elfman and she reads it off just so beautifully that you get the emotion of like John gave his final goodbyes and and June has always had this guilt that she didn't go with him when he originally broke away from the group right that John basically was saying listen I understand like I understand but this is why I did what I did and you know and he also gives a little closure to his dad they oh, that's, said, that's nice. yeah, so it was like, it was just this weird scenario because, I mean, he, his dad alienated him and left a long time ago with the obsession for the case against Teddy. So now they basically said, listen, we now have our closure with John. And that's why I said it's the, it was a great send-off for him. And, like, I can't stress it enough, just the writing they've done on the show has mm. just been spot on. So they wind up getting John Sr. to come back to Morgan's camp. And Morgan beats uh, and it's, it's a really cool scene when he meets John Dory for the first time because June's like, oh, yes, I brought somebody back with us. And Morgan, who was mad about Athena's death, and like I said, they go back and forth because they were on the way to go meet June to mm-hmm. give birth, and this right. with obviously what happened with Grace, that Morgan is sitting there, and he's like, and they kind of have a reconciliation moment just with everything that's gone on. And she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is John Dory. <laughs> and Morgan does a double take like, what? And she's like, yeah, this is John's dad. And you just see Morgan go like, Oh, my God. Like, his head just, like, explodes, and he's just, like, singing the praises, like, your son has saved my life more times than I can imagine. You are welcome here with us. And he's like, well, I'm going to stay a little time, but I'm here because we have a mutual enemy, and Teddy. And he basically says his plan is to kill everybody, and he's going to do it, but we have to stop him.
5: Mm. Phenomenal
0: episode, man. Like I say – there was so much deep acting going on, too. Like I said, Keith Carradine, I knew when I heard him being announced for the show, yeah. I was excited. And it was really cool to see where he's gone in his character because it's always been alluded to from John Jr. Sure. And I said, when they took out John Jr. from the show, it. I mean, that was a big emotional moment, too, because one thing that the show has done, and I, I know I kind of go back to this a lot, but when the writers are not afraid to take a chance... And killing off one of your most popular characters, too, and especially the way it was done. When they killed off Garrett Dillahunt's John Dory, mm-hmm. it was a big moment. And to see the ripple effects still taking place, that goes to show of how detailed it was to everybody connected to the character. So when you see Keith Carradine playing John Dory Sr., and you see him having the lament from leaving his son and his family behind, to now he's having like a weird sense of closure... And hearing about all the great things he's done. I just thought the whole episode was brilliant. And like I said, Jenna Elfman and him back and forth was absolutely brilliant. I love seeing that pairing because they were definitely having the emotional connection of a family meeting for the first time and yet just going over the stories of John. And I think it's just how powerful of a character he was that still he's been gone for a few episodes now. And he's still having that lingering effect there. I just thought it was just completely top to bottom brilliant on this. And like I say, they didn't have to do that much with tying into the Doomsday Cult, but they have. And I think that that's going to play more of a factor too, because everything we saw for next week's preview is going to be cult heavy. Okay. And your guy Teddy is going to be trying to convert Alicia over. Uh Uh-oh. And I mean, that's kind of the vibe I get from the early previews. But it has been so good... They have announced that there's only three episodes left. So the season finale is going to be on June 13th, I believe. Okay. So I am stressing this to the ODPA Society. Get on board with this show. If you have been turned off by The Walking Dead, and I feel like a broken record every week when I say this, this will get you back in. This show is so well-written. And I know that we have writers listening to us that are at the Fear the Walking Dead. And I'm not saying this as hype. I'm not saying this as just a fluff piece. I'm saying this with 100% honesty. You've gotten me back into this universe that I was two feet out from. Because I gave it a shot from what I saw at the New York Comic Con panel. And I was like, you know what? This looks pretty dope. I'm going to check it out. And now I'm hooked. This is a must-watch show for me. And that's just kudos to the writing and the acting because once you're not afraid to take chances, shows like this are so much better. And like I say, the regular flagship show, quote unquote, should be taking notes on how to get this done. Can't stress this enough. Every Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on AMC TV, start watching Fear the Walking Dead. But ODPH Society, I want to hear from you. Give this episode a shot. Let me know what you think. Episode 13 of Season 6, entitled JD. Did you love it? Did you hate it? And if you're hit, sitting here listening to me every week talking about Fear the Walking Dead and you haven't watched it yet, hit me up and let me know why. I am telling you right now, this is a show that will get you back into the Walking Dead universe. You don't have to catch up on it a lot because they do a great kind of recap when they kicked off Season 6. This show, I'm telling you, is hitting on all cylinders, and I can't wait to see how it wraps up for the season. <laughs> That's my take, but I want to hear yours. So hit us up at that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Fear the Walking Dead? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
3: Have you ever dreamt of being a superhero? Legends of Superhero Story is a new actual play podcast using the Legends Superhero Role Playing Game System, available on all podcast platforms. This exciting new superhero tabletop RPG follows our Game Master Jack, and our fledgling heroes played by Chad, Emily, Amanda, and Daniel as they work their way through their origin story and beyond. Listen in as they discover their powers and abilities. Let's hope they learn to work together as a team in time to save the world and truly become Legends. Legends of Superhero story is available on all podcast platforms. For more information, follow us on social media at the Cast, or visit our website, www.matchplaygames.ca forward slash TheLegendsCast.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and what you're about to hear is a joint interview that I did with our good friend Rich from the Three Fat Nerds podcast and Mike Ifrig, from the Mortal Kombat compendium. Now, Mike was in studio talking about this project, which is, I'm telling you right now, if you are a fan of the Mortal Kombat franchise, you need to go get this when it drops. There is so much information in this compendium, spelled with a K, you need to add this to your collection. Now, I was privileged to see a few things that I'm not allowed to share on air just yet, but we will have the links on where you can go find out about this in the notes of the podcast. So sit back, stay tuned, and let us know what you think about the Mortal Kombat Compendium, because right now you're about to hear that interview, so take it away, Pat.
3: What's up, nerds? We're back here, and uh, don't adjust that dial if you're listening over on the ODPH. This is Rich from the 3 Fat Nerds podcast, but do not be alarmed because Ken M is here. Yes, this is a special
0: 607 podcast collaboration with our friends over at 3FN, and you know every time we get together, we have a big guest on, and this is no exception.
3: That's right. It's, it's always a good thing. We like the signal boost. We like to get some things out there, and uh, the, this, this guest... This guest has been on the 3FN show before. You actually used my interview with him before as well. Yes,
0: because I'm super excited about the project he's going to be talking about.
3: Uh, More importantly, he is a friend of mine personally. So this is not even like I had to call in a favor. It just kind of falls in my lap. It's not like we had to get out there and get in the Hollywood machine, brother, and (laughs) and get all those uh, agents going. But joining us. From the Mortal Kombat Encyclopedia Project, the Mortal Kombat compendium, you know, that we shared out there a little while ago when the when the test book came out there. Joining us, co-founder Mike Ifrig. Mike, how are you doing?
4: Oh, I'm doing terrific now that I'm here.
3: I know. And then for <laughs> once, not on a phoner, because usually I have to talk to you on the phone because you live a ways away from me. And uh, usually I don't want to take the studio with me when I go visit you. So
4: No, I'm in the good old 607 today.
3: I know, man. He's, he's coming back through where I met you. But uh, we'll, we'll save those stories for another day. That's for like the uh, Patreon equivalent, uh, love is scary possibly, oh, man. level of, of, of <laughs> debauchery. And uh, we're here to kind of talk about the book and everything going on. But beforehand, I know that you took a little bit of uh, offense to what Ron had to say about the Mortal Kombat movie. but So let's let's open up, because you're a huge Mortal Kombat fan. Obviously, you're doing the Mortal Kombat encyclopedia, and uh, that's the most important thing we're going to get out there. But I kind of want to hear your take on the movie, especially since you did not like Ron's take on it.
4: Uh, I don't think the movie was... Let me preface things and give a disclaimer here. I don't think the movie is perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that... Having the knowledge of how the script kind of came about kind of tempered my expectations going into the film. Also, I will say that seeing the film in theaters versus seeing it on HBO Max kind of greatly improved the score. Uh, I do think that I saw it on HBO Max first. I wasn't very impressed. It was kind of like a middle-of-the-road Mortal Kombat film kind of thing for me. It was kind of like a four. Um, but when I saw it in theaters, I think the acoustics, the 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 experience kind of changed that, bumped it up to about a 6 um I do think the beginning and the end still hold very strong. Uh I do think the editing still is very poor. Um I do think that Greg Russo was handed a script and said by WB and said, "Hey, don't change a lot of this stuff, just make it palatable for Mortal Kombat fans and people that are going to come in to see the movie." Um that being said, uh when Ron said that half the characters in the movie uh, aren't in the games, that that really uh, made me have like a nervous twitch um because i've been putting this book together for six years so i know what games and what 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 the characters come from so natara the bat lady reference there uh where kung lao kind of spins her through a buzzsaw originated mortal kombat deadly alliance you have shang Tsung, you have melina his right hand woman uh who originated in mortal kombat 2 as the opposite of katana and then uh you also have uh reptile who appeared um albeit not in his green ninja stage, which a lot of people are either pissed I don't
3: know. I I could have dug the fact that he was in the lizard form. Yeah,
0: I dug that they decided to take some chances with it, and I thought that for what they were bringing to the table with it, I thought the action sequences, that was the big thing I was going in for. I said, script we know is going to be what it's going to be. Yeah, But as long as they nail the action, and I thought they did a great job doing homage to the games especially with the fatalities they weren't shying away from it
4: i thought that that's what really is the take home from this movie yeah and i i would have to agree to that um especially for new fans coming into the series they know very little like if they're going to come into mortal kombat what they know is oh well that's the gory fighting game you know a lot of people think that but there's a lot more to it and which is why this book is over 400 pages, which is why we've been working on it for six years, which is why it's like so hard to kind of piece together the lore. Cause there's multiple timelines. There's multiple things that happen. There's multiple realms. There's all different kinds of crazy stuff. So the movie, I kind of just put it in its own thing, but I always tell people, I said, you know, listen, if you don't like this movie, I, I, I tell them to always check out Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge. That's also on that HBO max. It came out last year. Um, but I think that's probably one of the better Mortal Kombat movies. But this one's probably middle of the road for me. Yeah,
3: I agree. I I, I didn't mind it. Like I said on the show, when I reviewed it, I think I gave it a five or a six. I, I was there for the action. And it yeah. delivered that in spades. I know me and Ken were there on opening night to see it in the theaters. Uh, it was our, only our second movie back, mm-hmm. Godzilla vs. Kong being the first. And I enjoyed both for what they were. It's not like I was expecting it to be, you know, Gone with the Wind either. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not, not going to be an
0: Oscar-written script. But you know what you're coming into it. And as long as you're appeasing the fan base. And what you want from these movies is you want that larger-than-life action. As long as you have that in the story and it does fall into place to an extent, I mean, that's what you're here for. So it's, you don't really need too much, but especially going to the big screen and seeing it live in action, too. I mean, that's the one thing. When you're seeing it in a theater, mm-hmm. I think just really sells at home. Because I did do a rewatch on HBO Max, and I do agree with Mike. It's not the same. Like, there's no. just something about it that just really is a whole different vibe and I think takes away from it. But when you go to the theaters and you see it live in person, and I know you're watching the film, but it's just that experience of being there, you really get caught up in it. And that's I thought they did a good job of that.
3: I also look at it like this. I had the uh, pleasure, if you will, of seeing it twice in the theater. Yeah. Because I saw it once on opening night with you, and then I had to, I took my stepson back a few days later to go see it again, and uh, I enjoyed it, and he thought it was amazing. I just want to throw that out there. Fifteen year old, if you're if you're looking at getting new fans into it, and I understand it was a rated R movie, of course. I, I everybody can treat their kids differently. My my kid is definitely more than able to watch gore. Mm. And uh he uh he he loved it. At 15, he thinks it's, it was phenomenal. So, once again, it might have it, you never know what audience it hit. It's definitely out there to get more people in uh to the the lore, into the story, into the games, into like it's a whole franchise. It's not just a it's not a package of just like, oh, it's a movie. It's not like a a lot of times we fall into this franchise just being a movie. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of franchises out there that aren't movies and are multimedia and they and they conquer all. And I think that's what they're trying to do with Mortal Kombat. They did it in the past and eh, the original movie wasn't horrible. It looked it looked amazing compared to Annihilation.
0: Annihilation is just (laughs) Something yep. I don't, I don't, don't even know what, about that Yeah, <laughs> I was
3: gonna say, can we put Annihilation up there with like Doom?
0: Yes. Yep. <laughs> I, I think that's a very fair
4: statement. <laughs> I, I think it's worse than Doom.
3: Oh, oh I think so too. I, I, I You're probably not wrong, but they're both still shining examples of why uh, video game movies get a bad rap.
0: Right, but even when we went to the theater, and that's the one that experience about going to see it in person is you kind of got the vibe from everybody that was in the theater. They're excited to see it, it being fans. Like You knew that there were people there that knew the characters and just wanted to see that big action.
3: Johnny Moose was a huge fan, too. Oh, he marked out, that. yeah. He was, he, was, he was in the theater, and Diesel was like, well, I didn't like the plot line, like he said, but I thought it was entertaining because Diesel did like it. He just didn't like the plot line. And Moose was like, hey, hold on. Hold on one second. Yeah, <laughs> What are you talking about? You did? It's amazing. Yes. And he went on his rant. So Johnny Moose, shout-outs to him because he, he was loving it. But uh, let's, let's, let's go back in time a little bit before, now that we talked about the movie and we can all agree Ron sucks. That's right, you heard it, <laughs> you heard it here first, Ronald. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the book. So the first time, I, I've known you've been working on this. As friends, you've been working on this forever. You talked about it even before you worked on it. And uh, I've seen different iterations over the years of knowing you. Uh, it went all the way from like a paperback, Small paperback tester that you had, all the way to this wonderful hardcover tester book that I have in my possession that I showed on Facebook and as well. Uh, fun story, to, we were just talking about this with my wife. Little did we know, uh, last time I went down to visit you is when I received the book. And of course, that was February of 2020. Oh man. Little did I know that I was going down to visit a friend of mine and it was going to be a full fucking year of a pandemic cuz yeah. at the time we were hearing little rings but nothing. It wasn't nothing to it, what not we until got. March when it got really whatever. And it was kind of funny because we, I come back and I had all these plans to do the book and the reveal and then like news went to shit. So we did wait off on it for a couple of weeks. I think it was a couple of months that I waited to, to do the announcements and stuff because I was like, we were all like, well, can we compete with <laughs> pandemic news? Yeah. It was just a weird, weird time. But it, it was it was still one of the great trips. My wife and me were just talking about it. we was like, when's the last like real trip out of town we went? I'm like, February 2020 when we went down to see Mike. <laughs> Whoa! Oh wow! <laughs> mm. I was like, "Yeah." Little did I know that was the last time I was going to have a Chick Fil A in a full Chick Fil A uh, venue <laughs> and not drive through. But uh, I digress. But so through years I've known you. What got you into to wanting to do this?
4: Uh, I guess it's because every other fighting game has something, uh, and Mortal Kombat doesn't. And it and it's it's mostly because you see a lot of that stuff out in in uh, the Asia market stuff like that a lot of those fighting games are out there um you know like, like tekken street street fighter has like I, a million I can't things they have a million things they're, they have comic books they have encyclopedias they have swimsuit issues for like everything i mean they they do <laughs> really yeah they're all produced by udon entertainment who we had initial discussions with actually to publish our book but uh warner brothers backed them off um that's another that's a story for another day but uh, a lot of the stuff, uh, a lot of these fighting games all have something, but Mortal Kombat doesn't. And yet it's been around for almost 30 years. Hmm. So that being said, it, it's been almost 30 years. It's, it's uh, Somebody had to do something to kind of chronicle all of it because it's had multiple timelines and it has over almost almost 100 characters. And we took it upon ourselves. Uh, I initially started this with just myself and you know two other guys, both graphic designers. And then we kind of went from there. Um, and then, uh, the writer of the Mortal Kombat X comic book, Sean Kittleson, actually kind of got me going and was like, hey, why don't you start a petition? And we all know by this point, injunction petitions don't do anything. That was me pushing a petition to 10,000 and hey, it didn't do anything. Uh, but that being said, it did push me to kind of say, hey, so this isn't doing anything. So let me do it myself. Um, and as we kind of went along, uh, there's, there's been maybe 15 to 20 iterations. You have to get it right and maybe an image didn't look right or maybe a render wasn't right or maybe we didn't have something the right way we had to make sure that it was perfect Mm -hmm. and you learn things because i've never made a book before uh and nobody i know has ever made a book before at least at this caliber uh so you make mistakes and when you make mistakes it's like all right when you print them it's like oh crap you know, half this is missing at the top or, you know, half this is missing at the bottom. So it's a learning process. So we've been at this learning process for about five, six years. And now uh, a publisher actually approached us this past year and was like, hey, you know, we're really interested in your project and we'd like to work with you. And it was the first time where somebody actually really aggressively pursued us. And it was uh, it was kind of eye opening um, because they were like, hey, we'll just we'll take care of you. We'll make sure you're good. We'll make sure. Everything's taken care of. We'll make sure the Kickstarters run the right way. And they were established. Um, we looked into Hagen's Alley, who is working with us on the book. And we looked into their past. And if anyone knows, they've they've worked with Nintendo. Okay. Uh, so they've made books about Nintendo products. And if anybody knows Nintendo, they nuke everything fan-related into the ground. Hmm. If it's not, like, okay. And we looked into other stuff, too. So they, they've published... Uh, an easy way, Friday the 13th book okay uh, by a guy named Steve Steve Lynn um, it, it actually looks really cool and that's successful uh, but Friday the 13th rights are consistently changing like every other year so Jason is well
3: right now there's a huge legal uh, battle we talk about it on Horror Zone 607 all the time yeah uh, Victor Miller sued for what he was owed off of the original creation and Sean Cunningham uh, lost that lawsuit. And then appealed that lawsuit, and it's still... Now he's failed on the appellate court, and he's threatening Supreme Court. So it's still holding up. In the renaissance of horror, one of its biggest franchises is sidelined because of a uh, lawsuit. So we've been keeping our eyes on that. uh, Pretty big little plug for Horror Zone 607 for all you horror fans. You guys already know that if you're listening to ODPH and 3FM. Absolutely.
4: But it's... uh, They worked with a lot of these franchises, and that helped vet them, and, and that gave us confidence. So... You know, now we're in the position we are. Uh, we're we're actually finished the book. Um, it's going through the final stages right now, and we submitted it to where we feel comfortable with it. It's going to have lots of art. It's going to have lots of uh, really cool content and about four hundred pages, and it's going to be a big hardcover. I mean
3: coffee ta- it's a coffee table it's book.
4: Coffee yeah table it's, book. it's it's heavy book oh yeah i mean um, well you
0: have to you have to figure that out for all the time and years you put into this i mean this is yeah. not gonna be something that you're just gonna make a couple pages for i mean this is something like a love letter to the fan base
4: yeah yeah and we want something that so we're we're eventually going to send these books to studios and to the the filmmakers and stuff like that just to kind of give them some kind of source material because there is no source material like They're not going to log on and check a wiki because anybody can update a wiki or anybody can update IMDB or anybody Mm -hmm. can update, you know, a website or a forum or something like that. This book is set in stone. I mean, everything is laid out clearly and concisely. Um, Every character's appearance in every game, every alternate costume, everything they've ever appeared in. Uh, You know, we have cameos where, where Scorpion and Raiden appeared in NBA Jam. I mean, everything's in there. I mean, you got the guest characters like Predator, Alien, all that stuff is in there so we we compacted everything together uh and yes all the movies and and uh, the animated series from the 90s defenders of the realm are also in there as well as all the comic books um but all that stuff's in there and uh we're excited to to finally have something like a finish line
3: well, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, you absolutely have to be. I mean, for like I said, for all the time and energy you put into this, and this is such a love letter to the fans. And like I say, even from just going to the movie theaters recently and being around that fan, and that's that live experience I talk about, this is going to be something that when fans open this up and see, this is going to bring back so many memories. If you've been an old school fan, if you're a new school fan, this is going to be something that can really sell the point home of why this franchise is so important to the video games and even to just fantasy realm in itself too. I mean, fantasy fans.
3: Well, absolutely. I mean, it, like I said, we have the the tester book. Like, it just looks beautiful. Oh yeah. And, I mean, that. that's just a, that's just a little uh, taste. It's a little, uh, you know. A little sampling, if you will, which it was going to go, which is going into the book and all that stuff. I do believe made it into the book for the most part. Maybe some art in it, but uh, if you look at it like that, like it, everything was broken down. You're like you, you guys took the time to break down the different realms. You took the time to break down each character. There's a listing of characters, whether they were guest characters, whether they made an appearance in one game, whether you know they they only made an appearance in lore. There, there's there's so much really cool stuff that's when you just break it down. And that was just in a tester book. Mm. Like that's not talking about the fact that you're going to have this giant book that has everything breaking down each game breaking down different appearances and it's like you don't get that all the time i mean like i like you said there's a million and a half books for street fighter mm-hmm. and and they're doing constant new things with street fighter and at the same point in juncture though i would dare say that looking at this compared to some of the other things i've seen from street fighter this is more complete than they because a lot of their stuff is like okay we have so much stuff so this book has this much and this book has this much and this book has this much this is actually giving you the most bang for your buck because it's got everything and i think that is in a great order uh when going throughout that between the t- tester phase to now which has been a year of course the <laughs> year from hell if you will though but uh how much have you guys changed how much have you
4: added since then we, so in the tester book, we had every piece of gear that the characters had in MK11. Uh, we removed those because that's just... A little overkill. Yeah. So we replaced it actually with larger, uh, what we call Threads of War. And what Threads of War is like a larger, uh, like a page that includes all the alternate costumes and how the characters look from game to game. So it's a better look at it. Okay. And we also replaced it with uh, like a, almost a full page of artwork. So, like, concept art from the character. So, we really wanted to kind of bring home the fact that it's also an art book. Uh, Mortal Kombat's only ever had one art book, and that is when it resurfaced in 2011. And that art book was about this big, which is not very big. It's very small. um, Maybe about less than 100 pages. Um, It wasn't anything substantial. Uh, So, we wanted to give fans both. Uh, So, we combined that. We collected art from all over from MK1 all the way through MK11 and we made sure to put it all together and pick some really good ones like there's some wacky ones in there I mean we made sure to kind of say oh well this character looked like that at some point that's strange but we wanted to make sure we encompass all that Um, we also replaced all the renders with 4k shots that we actually took in game uh, whether that be MK9 MK10 MK11 or wherever the character's from we replaced it with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also custom took the renders from the customization menu, so those renders are not out to the public. They're we took them; they're ours. That's it. Um, we also changed a lot of the layout for like the guest characters and stuff like that, using actual renders and using better screenshots of the characters. Um, we wanted to make sure that you know special moves and fatalities were shown for the guest characters as well. Um trying to think what else uh we're finally gonna have a table of contents okay we didn't have one before and you would think a book would have that but we didn't
0: well you gotta figure (laughs) you're putting so much together that it's just like the little details that's why you do it the fine tuning before you submit you know but that's you have so much information in this book i mean something's gonna be standing out later
4: yeah uh we made it all the way to this point and we were like oh my god we don't have a table of contents. <laughs> like, how are people going to know where to find things? We didn't. We didn't even have pages numbered. It was just kind of like this: you flip through it as you go, and uh, you don't think about it uh, when you're putting it together as a fan. Or, uh, but th- those are the, the minor things we changed, or the major things we changed. Uh, uh, minor things we changed. We just tweaked some little stuff with the page designs, and uh, we took better screenshots of things that we didn't have good screenshots for. Um, almost all in 4K. So crystal crystal clear uh, clarity and uh, they all look really nice. Absolutely,
3: I mean, I, I like I said, I've been uh, I've known you for so long that I've kind of like seen different iterations. I've been around for a lot of the groundwork, and it, it's looking it's looking good all up into you know to this point, even with getting to see a sneak peek of what your Kickstarter page is going to look like. Uh, before we jump into the Kickstarter and the campaign, do you have any other questions about the book, Ken?
0: No, I mean, just going into the detail, I mean, just how dedicated you've been about this. I mean, I just think it's absolutely amazing. And just being such a, a, a passionate fan about it, I mean, you can just tell just with talking, Just this is just such an important thing for you. I mean, I am just definitely excited to see this book when it comes out and just how much detail you have. I mean, you said you reached into all the crossover games they've had, all the characters, done the fine details just to fine tuning is there anything that if you're reading if you're talking to a new fan what is the big selling point about this
4: book the big selling point is we try to make sure that everything's compartmentalized um so if they want to know the story of a certain game we have a big story section in the beginning so it breaks down game by game what the story was and what happened so it's kind of like a tldr okay um so when you open it uh that section it'll break it down and have the le- the logo and the game logo for Mortal Kombat 1. This is what happened to our Mortal Kombat 1. If they don't want to play the game, that's their basic, you know, synopsis. And they can go game by game. They can go even further. As they flip through, we have a game section. It'll say Mortal Kombat 1, when it was released, what systems it was released on, what characters were in it, screenshots of it, you know, all the stuff that was featured in the game. And they can go game by game and just kind of go as they want to go. It's easily accessible. It makes it so they don't have to dig for anything. Mm.
2: Hmm.
3: Interesting. That's pretty cool.
0: No, that's like I say, that's just so detailed and just going to show the fandoms too, especially for being a big video game franchise, which I mean, everybody knows it is. but to go to do the deep diving and really say, no, this is more than a video game. This is something that if you're into fantasy, if you're into the various forms of nerd geek culture so to speak there is something for everybody with this franchise absolutely and it's just something like i say from going to cons and like i say even the little experience going to the movies being in a theater live around people and just seeing the reactions i can only imagine when this book comes out how the fan base is going to go right re- you know right for it
3: absolutely uh so getting into the, the the nuts and bolts here we're getting close finally to the the kickstarter uh the publisher's ready it's gonna get it's, you know it's going through Kickstarter. And hopefully on the other end of this, uh, according to your timeline, hopefully on the other end of this, in the beginning of next year, February-ish, uh, we will have this as a complete reality if all goes well. So let's dive into the Kickstarter. We had the pleasure of seeing a sneak peek of the Kickstarter and the video and everything. Uh, when are you going to launch the Kickstarter? Right we're, lo- about.
4: we're looking at the beginning of June.
3: Okay. So the beginning of June and uh, when, when the Kickstarter launches, of course, people will be able to go search it out, go to the page. Uh, you have some great tiers, and you even have some early bird stuff for day one. Uh, Do you want to elaborate on what... You you don't have to give the exacts, but what you can expect when you put some money down for this Kickstarter.
4: Sure. Uh, So our early bird in the first day, one of the incentives is, well, for one, cheaper pricing, uh, which everyone should love. And then the other thing is a special Esau Merga print called uh, Song of Ice and Fire, and that is a Sub-Zero print. Uh, that features a lot of a lot of big characters uh it features Sub-Zero it features Quan Chi it features Scorpion um, it features Noob Saibot sector Smoke a lot of really cool characters um uh, it's a beautiful print um it's the only landscape it's the only uh, portrait print that we'll be offering um but beyond the 24 hour mark um and we don't think that our higher tier prints will last beyond that mark so we're going to offer that for those as well um but uh beyond that there's some other stuff that we offer uh, we'll offer the prints with the first tier which is the book and those prints which is there's a, a really nice uh, two print set um, that's offered I won't really talk too much about those um, and then there's another print uh, no it's those two prints it's the, uh, the two standards and then the next tier would be um, I think it's two books because we know that Mortal Kombat collectors like to keep one in the plastic uh, and put one away and then there's the tier after that which we'll have with this beautiful cryo mask which we've been working with ifx studios with Uh, so the mask is similar to the sub-zero mask that's from the mortal kombat film that just came out but uh we've done some product testing with the masks that are on etsy and a lot of the other stuff and they're the replicas are rather stiff they just kind of sit on your face they're bulky they're not right so we're working with that with that uh, printer that that sculptor to basically make those masks more pliable more flexible to kind of work better with your face and um ifx has worked with uh he's worked on captain marvel he's worked on guardians of the galaxy and most recently the mandalorian so he's done some big stuff uh, and the paint that's being used is actually the same paint that was used that was sent to australia for the same masks oh wow so it's it's a lot of the same stuff so uh it's not just corner store paint Um, more craft store paint. Um, We made sure that we got the right guy for the job. Um, We also have another tier where we're going to have a handmade leather cover. That handmade leather cover is going to have clasps on it. It's going to be uh, similar to the book that's featured in Mortal Kombat Mythologies, which is one of the older Mortal Kombat games. Um, And that'll slip right over the hardcover book. Uh, But it is handmade. Uh, No one of them is going to be the same.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're since they're handmade, each yeah. one of them will be an original in its own. Individualized.
4: And it is 100% leather. So it's real leather, not pleather or anything like that. Um, and then the last tier, which is the one that we got folks itching about, is the LK-44K statue. Uh, it's a statue of Cyrax in the sand. Um, it's from Mortal Kombat 3. And it's, a, it's an odd statue to kind of pick, uh, but it sticks out. Um, so... That's a big one, and he's doing those special in gold paint. Now, there will be other Cyrax statues that will be issued down the line, um, but they'll be the the normal matte yellow, and those won't be till about two months after the Kickstarter's finished. Okay. So they'll not only have to wait. They'll get the statues first with the Kickstarter. They'll also get gold editions, and there's only five available.
0: So definitely you want to jump on that quick if you run.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah, if you're definitely if you're looking for a figure, mind you, we got to see all of this. Stuff. Yeah, we got to see the prints, we got to see the statues, we got to see uh, the mask. I, I thought it was all really cool. I know that uh, you were very impressed by at least one of the the, the prints very much so yeah, jumped out to you. You kept y- going back to it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean I am you know a huge Alex Ross fan, and, and seeing the little homage to Mad Love with Harley Quinn and Joker, I thought was mm-hmm. it looked absolutely fucking amazing.
3: Oh yeah, it's it's some good stuff, man. Wait until you see these prints; they're 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 really good. I was a big fan. I'm even sitting here like, so uh you gonna tell me when the 24 hours is so I can get myself one? Yeah, exactly. Like, make, make sure I get my dibs in there because I got some I got some places to hang it in here. As you can see, the the studio always needs more love, but. uh no, I, I mean it's totally awesome stuff. I, I was I was really digging it. I really dug the video. I know it's weird because you were watching yourself on video, uh, so you're like, I don't know if it's good. And we're like, I oh, know it was good. I like. No, it. it was, I mean, it I, I see good. a lot of I see a lot of Kickstarter videos doing what we do. So it's like I, I was really good. I did I did enjoy it. I mean, I think this is really really awesome. Uh, you know, I, I'm a fan of Mortal Kombat. Not as big a fan as Mike, but I am a fan. And I'm even excited about it. Like this is like something that's got me like super stoked and and I know that I, I have like the pipeline, but I'm still like, Man, how do I can I can I get it can I get a piece of that like like When's the action coming?
0: Yeah, no, I completely hear you. Like I say, Mortal Kombat has been something that the more I'm being around people that have been watching the movie, and like I say, it's just that experience talking with fellow fans. That's why I always say it's so important to go in person to a movie theater and get that because you have that fan interaction. They get you more hyped about a franchise because before going to Mortal Kombat, I was like, yeah, I played the video games. I'm a big Injustice fan, so obviously playing a little Sub-Zero on that has always been you know a favorite character of mine. But to go there and just be around the people and just being live in front of the people to get me hyped up, And then when Rich was mentioning, he's like, you know this compendium is coming out. You know you want to check it out. This has got me more amped up about it. And like I say, I've slowly grown my fandom in. But with this book, I think that you can definitely get new fans involved in the franchise. And I think for older fans, this is going to be such a love letter. This is a can't miss. You need to go buy it first day.
3: All right, man. Here comes the the sell time. Give them uh, one last sell, and then uh, we'll go into where to get a hold of you. So what's the last pitch that you, you know, make sure everybody knows – how to get it, how to how they want it and why they should buy it.
4: The Mortal Kombat Compendium, or the Combat Compendium as we're calling it is the official the unofficial and unlicensed resource for all things Mortal Kombat. It is the only one that's going to be on the market. Uh, it's over four hundred what's about four hundred pages. And it is a hardcover love letter to the fans. As Rich has said multiple times, and as Ken has said multiple times, this book will be the ultimate resource. Uh, it includes everything from realms, races, species, characters, arenas, to comic books, movies, appearances, cameos, guest characters, cut characters, minor characters, and even artwork from all the games. Um, I I don't need to tell you much more about it, uh, other than the fact that it's going to basically break your table if you let it drop too bad, but this thing is a monster, it's a labor of love, it's been a labor of love for six years, Um, we've worked very hard on it, and we've had some very Very, very capable hands working on the book. There's nothing that will sate your bloodlust for Mortal Kombat than this combat compendium. And you can reach us at Twitter at EncyclopediaMK and on Facebook at the Mortal Kombat Encyclopedia Project.
3: And I, I can put it this way we'll be adding uh, that to the websites. I'm mm-hmm. I guaranteeing that. We'll also be uh, throwing it out there social media. So make sure you're following Three Fat Nerds Pod at Three Fat Nerds Pod on Twitter and everywhere else. Also, OD, at, oh,
0: at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter and ODPH Podcast. You can check it out under the Friends of the Directory section of the website.
3: There you go. See, that's that's why I I go into host mode. See, that's the bad part about having two hosts on one segment. We go into we go both into host mode.
0: Yeah, it's just reflex. I mean, that's what we do.
3: There you go. So, thank you, Mike, for uh, taking some time with us talking about the book. Trust me, when June gets here, we will be definitely pumping this out there. Anybody who's a Mortal Kombat fan definitely needs to check this out. Definitely needs to support it. This is going to be huge. You don't want to miss your opportunity. You don't want to miss your opportunity of being one of the first people to have it. There might be more runs. There might be more stuff. But at the same point in Juncture, you want to be the first and that's just how it should work and this is beautiful you're gonna to like to have this you can put it right on the uh coffee table this is a really good coffee table book put it right in your coffee table it will not look out of place people are going to be like oh man it's going to be a good conversation starter especially for those of us who are you know the millennials of my age mm-hmm. uh you know the little older millennials if you will who uh fell in love with the original game when we were putting in cheat codes just to see some blood uh this is going to be right up the alley for 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 us so Guys, uh, once again, like, blown away by what I saw today. I can't wait for everybody else at home to see it. Uh, With that being said, we're going to take you back to either the ODPH in the panel or back to the guys at Three Fat Nerds.
0: For more information on the Mortal Kombat Compendium, we will have that in the liner notes and in the directory at odphpodcast.com. So definitely make sure to go check it out. We're going to get a quick break.
5: We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial or, well, your phone, your watch, or... Whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. And I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming. Especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture. And if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. And check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds.
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for those one-shots? Got a couple things to talk about.
1: Uh, First of which were two things announced by the folks over at Warner Media that we are
3: very excited for. Yes, we are.
1: Uh, So the first one uh, is about involving Batman. And this comes to us courtesy of a press release that was provided to us by the fine folks over at Warner Media. Hey. Uh, And the uh, press release reads, quote, HBO Max and Cartoon Network have greenlit a straight-to-series order for Batman Caped Crusader. An all new animated series and reimagining of the Batman mythology through the visionary lens of executive producers Bruce Tim, JJ Abrams, and Matt Reeves, and produced by Warner Brothers Animation, Bad Robot Productions, and Sixth in Idaho. Uh, the news was announced today by Tom Asham, President Warner Brothers, Global Kids, Young Adults, and Classics, and Sam Register, President Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios. Uh so there's a brand new Batman animated series coming to HBO Max.
0: Take my money now. Uh-huh. Brilliant. Well,
1: they put out a they
0: provided a poster for it, which it's just showing Ken. Real old school uh look to I fucking it. love that, man. That is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's got the if you're familiar, it's got the Batman typography with like the logo from the animated series that you're very known and familiar with. But with the big long ears, if you're familiar with like old school Batman. So this looks like it's gonna be, you know, back to roots, back to basics. Uh, but you got Bruce Timm, who was very heavily involved with Batman, the animated series. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt Reeves, who's very heavily involved with the upcoming Batman movie. Uh, Spoiler alert. He's directing the damn thing. Yeah. And then J.J. fucking Abrams is involved. Gimme, gimme,
0: gimme, 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 gimme. You know, we talked about making sure that the big heavyweight characters are handled properly. Yeah. I don't see how you get any better than that. No. I really don't for animated Bruce Tim. I mean, the fact you have Bruce Tim back, I mean, yeah. that was enough for me. But getting JJ and Matt Reeves involved, yeah, and especially I know there's been some alleged toy footage re- getting released for the Matt Reeves film. Sure, yo, that's that's I say that's par for the course with movies. Yeah, but still, yeah, what he's got cooking up, man, I can't wait to see all three of them put it yeah. together and see what they do.
1: The other one that got announced today, uh, also coming from to us via a press release provided by Warner Media. To us, uh, reads quote, HBO Max and Cartoon Network announced today a two-season series order for My Adventures with Superman, an all-new kids and family animated series following the action-packed, comedic, and romantic adventures of Superman and Lois Lane. Produced by Warner Brothers Animation and based on characters from DC, My Adventures with Superman catches up with 20-something's Clark Kent, the Brighton-driven Lois Lane, and their best friend Jimmy Olsen as they begin to discover who they are and everything they can accomplish together as an an investigative reporting team at the Daily Planet. Uh, The news was announced today by Amy Friedman, head of kids and family programming, Warner Brothers. Uh, Listen, it's... Uh, Superman animated series It's going to be voiced by Superman is going to be voiced By Jack Quaid
0: Oh uh, Huey from uh, The Boys Uh huh Okay Uh, Great casting there Yeah
1: I I am all sorts of excited for this I'm down for anything Superman So I'm excited
3: for this
0: You know, I'm just loving to see that we're going to start putting some animated stuff on HBO Max. I mean, like stuff that we would watch, the superhero genre. Because I know that we've had little news about the Green Lantern show. Right. right. And, I mean, obviously, give me my Doom Patrol now. And and Titans, we do know. But that's live action.
1: Yeah. They gave a little bit of a description about what you can expect from the show in the press release, uh, which reads, In this serialized coming-of-age story, we follow Clark as he builds his secret Superman identity and embraces his role as the hero of Metropolis and perhaps the world lois now growing into a star investigative reporter takes aspiring photographer jimmy olsen under her wing all the while clark and lois are falling in love sharing adventures taking down bad guys stumbling over secrets and discovering what it means to be superman and lois lane so oh my gosh super excited for this like we mentioned jack quaid from the boys is voicing uh clark slash superman and then you've got alice lee from zoe's extraordinary playlist uh playing lois lane so i'm super excited for this this can't sign me up this can't come soon enough
0: i'm definitely down for that yeah
1: Uh, more streaming news and this one came as a bit of a surprise uh uh, warner media has spun off hbo max and well sorry at&t has spun off warner media and it is merging with discovery in a 43 billion dollar deal
0: this is nuts
1: now the thing we should note is everyone's saying oh it's it's done it's this is what's happening This is what they're going to agree to. I'm sure at this point, the boards have probably agreed to it. But this is still going to need to go through the same loopholes that when AT&T acquired WarnerMedia, which, reminder, that took two years, Mm -hmm. and then the same hoops that Disney went through to acquire Fox. This is going to have to get approved by a whole bunch of people, so don't expect to start seeing... You know, your HGTV recommendations pop up in with your, you know, HBO recommendations. Okay. It'll happen at some point, but just it got announced. The boards have probably agreed to it, but there's some, a lot, there's not some, there's a lot of legal loopholes that got to get jumped
0: through. Well, you have to think about when Marvel acquired uh, Fox there. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be the same thing. It, It can't happen overnight. No. But it is interesting to see they're making the play for this. I'm more concerned, though, and I know this has got brought up online, and I haven't heard anything. So if anybody's asking, like, listen, I just legitimately don't know. What is the fate of DC Comics?
1: Pro- uh, probably not anything.
0: Yeah, like I said, I have not heard anything to my, from to what, my knowledge relating. And- from
1: what I understand, this is just taking, like, the the streaming stuff and just putting it together. Yeah. Because AT&T has been looking to get it. For as long as it took them to get this deal under it, they've been looking to get out from under this. It appears because let's not forget earlier this year, or late last year, I forget when there was a story that they were looking to sell off the video game studios. I know there was a story a couple weeks ago that they were looking at selling off some of the smaller assets. I know Rooster Teeth was included, but this appears that, it, like I said, it's all in the very early stages. So who's to say what's going to happen? But oh my God, is this going to do away with DC? Are you
0: going to start seeing DC Comics involved with the Property Brothers?
1: slow your fucking roll people.
0: Yeah, like I'm saying, this is going to be something that everybody's switching to streaming. Like we live in a transition era, folks. Yeah. That streaming is now the new cable. Like we have to accept this. If you haven't bought into it by now, I'm sorry. But everybody is starting to line up their ducks in a row because yeah. listen, Netflix is still the king of the hill. Yep. DC or I mean Disney Plus is right on their heels. I
1: would say Disney Plus is is ahead of of Netflix.
0: It's tough. It's, it's, it's tough because if you're looking at certain properties, then yes. Because when you have Star Wars and the MCU as your left and right, you can definitely throw some combos. Also like 100 years of Disney animated movies. True, and I'll give you that. But Netflix still was the originator of this. They still are coming out with new pr- content. And they have big stuff coming in the works. Yeah. I mean, not that we know anything exclusive just right, yet. Right, But they are still the king of the hill, in my opinion. DC, or I mean, God, I keep saying DC. Disney is right on their heels, though. Yeah. And it's not to say they wouldn't overtake, but that's going to be right. going back and forth, back and forth, back right. and forth.
1: And I mean, Netflix is boasting more than 200 million subscribers. Disney Plus is boasting more than 100 million subscribers. But the thing to note... Netflix is essentially in every country. Netflix is not going, oh, hey, we're launching in in certain countries right. Right here. Disney ain't rolled out everywhere yet. Disney Plus is still rolling. I think, I what did I see? They were launching in, like, Malaysia and Thailand or something, like, within the next couple of weeks. So they're still not as big as they're going to be. Like, every time there's, every quarter there's an investor's call. They're always talking about, oh, how yeah, we set, you know, subscriber projections from this. They're beating it.
0: Yeah. So it's gonna be something to watch, but this is a big power play move.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it makes all the sense in the world for the, the companies that be because let's face it, when it comes to streaming, you need if you're not doing streaming, you're gonna fall behind. You saw yeah. what happened with Sony and their whole thing, you know why they made the choices. You know, the saying used to be, oh, you know, you gotta get cable because cable, everything's on cable. Well, everything's on streaming now. Yeah. And and what you need if you're a streaming service is originals are great. You need to have a great slate of originals because, let's face it, if you don't, nobody's going to want to tune in. But also you need a back catalog because let's look at Disney Disney Plus, for example. Had the Mandalorian drop right when it was ready to go. Had the entire slate of, of Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. You know, had the Marvel films uh, that they had at the time. Obviously not everyone. Yeah, wrote. they had the majority, though. They had the majority there. You know, you had the entire Disney uh, library that was there. For uh, Some stuff wasn't there because it was on other services, but you had the majority of it. So it, a lot of, a lot to come back to. Flip side, you look at something like Apple Plus, which, yeah, they got Ted Lasso and they got some decent stuff over there. But let's face it, they never boasted that big of a subscriber account because what are you going back to that's on Apple Plus exclusively?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nothing. So when it comes to streaming, yeah, you need great original content, but you need a very large library of back catalog stuff that somebody's sitting at home on a Thursday, Friday night and goes hey, there's not much on TV. It's the summer months. It's all reruns and game shows, and I'm not really into that. Why don't I rewatch an episode of oh, Big Bang Theory? Why don't I rewatch an episode of you know, uh, Property Brothers or whatever it is with Discovery Plus? So yeah. th- this is what you need in the streaming wars.
0: Yeah, you got to load up, and this is a smart play. And like I say, to see where all the chips are going to fall when it's all said and done, Yeah, that's going to be the real telling point because when you do these big mergers, everybody tries doing big shakeups in, yeah. in, in, with some of the content. So I'm hoping with all the DC stuff involved – it's not too drastic. Yeah. I don't want to go through another new 52. Yeah. In any stretch of means. I, nothing will change with DC. I hope not. They're not. They're not
1: going to. Everyone freaking out about DC needs to call.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm calm. Like I said, I'm not worried, but it's also like that guarded trepidation because you see when they do these big blockbuster deals, something always gets flipped. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm saying when we hear something, we'll let you know. But like I say, I'm just kind of watching and enjoying my current run of Batman books. So, uh,
1: Flipping over to some very shocking news. Uh, Variety and some others have reported that Amazon is making a, a bid to acquire MGM, MGM Studios, Metro Goldwyn Mayer, uh, of course, the long-running uh, movie studio, uh, to the small tune of nine billion dollars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we talked about you. Know, we just talked about big blockbuster deals with AT and T. There, man. This is no surprise. It, it's not. Uh, MGM has been hemorrhaging money for a number of years now that it's it's been real issue and it's and it's kind of been a if you paid attention enough it's just been a kind of question of when not if that you just look like i remember some of the movies they were doing and some of their franchises they were doing before that you look at once upon a time i want to say a hobbit was one of them where they had that like they were were helping on hobbit or something hobbit was involved in some way that like you saw the one and it was just their logo but then you went and saw the next one, and it was like four logos. Mm. That even with like the even like Bond movies, and like there was just the MGM movie or something like that, where it was, like, it was just like I forget the exact studios, but like, and I could be wrong on the Bond thing, but like I just remember seeing their logo in one movie, and then going to see a sequel and seeing like four other studio, and it wasn't and it wasn't just like the production studio stuff you see before movies. It, no, it was like other major studios were involved with this so like mgm's been losing money for years i mean there was a report back out in december uh that they had effectively nailed a for sale sign up you know so the, the writing's been on the wall for this i mean it was just a matter of between apple and and amazon who let's face it they're the two biggest players in the game they're the ones who can afford this would get the deal done and who and if amazon ends up doing this this is a big win for them because They would get the entire Bond franchise.
0: I was just going to say, and I know, shout out to Dre. Dre Driven posted that immediately on Twitter, too. How are you feeling about that with the Bond franchise?
1: I own every movie on Blu-ray in one box set. They can do whatever the hell they want.
0: Fair enough, Pat.
1: I I was fortunate. I'd been asking for it for Christmas and birthdays for probably about 10 years now. But this past Christmas, I got the James Bond Blu-ray collection, which is uh, every film from every official films so it doesn't include never say never again or casino the uh 60s or 70s casino royale hmm. but it's every official eon production one from dr no up through specter on blu-ray in one box set so amazon could do whatever the hell they want with it. If, it if they put it on amazon prime streaming awesome because bond streaming has been an absolute pain in the ass for the last 15 years because if it, it they never were in one place for streaming there'd be periods of time where there's like 10 plus of them on Netflix for a month and then they go away. And then there was some that ended up on Hulu and then they go away. And then you've got the uh the free streaming TV channel thing, Pluto TV, where they've got a, a Bond channel where if you download Pluto TV on your smartphone, Roku devices, maybe it's on consoles. I'm not sure. I know it's yeah. on I know it's on Roku because I have it on my Roku TV at home. But they have a Bond channel where it's just twenty four seven Bond films in rotation. So if Amazon's able to land this and basically put it where I don't have to get up and throw my Blu-ray disc in my PlayStation to watch a movie, cool. But if they decide to sit on it and not put it on streaming, it's okay. I got them all on Blu-ray.
0: Fair enough. But I tell you, this is a big move for Amazon. We're talking about making a big dent in the streaming wars.
1: That's, uh, yeah. That's
0: Amazon's got like 100
1: million, 200 million subscribers.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, their content is so good, too. Yeah. Like, not even the superhero stuff. Yeah. Like, they got Invincible early, too, which kudos to them. And the boys, yep. but still, yep. they've got a lot of good programs oh, yeah. in the wings here. Uh,
1: switching over to some movie casting news. Holy shit, if, as if this movie couldn't get any better. I know I keep saying that, but it's getting more and more true every time a new casting announcement gets made for this movie. Knives Out 2. Quite possibly my most anticipated film that's not a superhero
0: movie. Okay.
1: I, I love the hell out of the Knives Out 1. Seriously, if you have not seen it, rent it, buy it. However the hell you got to watch this. I don't know. I think it's streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, check it out on Amazon Prime if you have that. Watch it. It is a fantastic whodunit from Ryan, written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Yes, that Ryan Johnson, uh, which starred a fantastic cast, uh, headlined by one and only Daniel Craig. Of course, James Bond. So Knives Out 2 and 3, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, got picked up by Netflix. $400 million. Mm. Ryan Johnson's going to write and direct the sequels. Uh, Daniel Craig is coming back to reprise his role as Benoit Blanc, uh, the Southern-speaking uh, uh, detective, which, holy shit, seriously, you got to see the movie, if for no other reason than uh, Daniel Craig, a British man doing a very good Southern accent, hmm. very good Southern drawl, so good. Uh, he's returning, but, of course, as we mentioned in prior episodes, uh, joining him in this movie is, one, Dave Batista, hmm. Edward Norton, Janelle Monae, uh, and then Leslie Odom Jr., but announced just last week as joining the film as well. Uh, folks, I think they might have tipped off who the villain is going to be for this movie. Catherine
5: Hahn.
0: Agatha all along.
1: Uh-huh, so if you're looking for a villain, wow. villain, uh, it was Agatha all along. Holy shit, this movie gets better and better.
0: They clean, uh, First and foremost, Marvel, I'm just going to say very briefly, and I know Catherine Hahn won Best Villain at the yep. MTV Movie and TV Awards. Yep. The MCU cleaned up. But man, this movie, Knives Out Two, is so freaking stacked. Like, I don't know how much they're gonna have a screen time for everybody involved.
1: Oh, they, they I to.
0: mean, they'll do—they'll do it. I like have full faith they're gonna oh, do well, it. Well,
1: they will because they had a stacked cast in the first one. I mean, let me—I'm pulling it up on IMDb right now. You had Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, uh, Catherine Langford, Christopher Plummer. Anna De Armas, you know the list just go. Frank Oz made an appearance. Like you look at the you look at the cast for the first one, and that was even one of the features with the trailer was they just started throwing up the names, and I'm like, holy shit, this cast is stacked. Yeah, it's right. and ri- it delivered. It's
0: it's ridiculous how much this is, and they just go, okay, and reloaded. And yeah. here we are. Oh, yeah.
1: No, I seriously cannot wait. It's going to be amazing.
0: It's going to be dope, man.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, switching over to some more in- news I am very excited for. Uh, Ewan McGregor was on the Jimmy uh, Kimmel show uh, this past week and did a little bit of teasing uh, about the uh Obi-Wan Kenobi series which is currently filming I know they're also filming the casting Andor series uh, as well so it's fun to see behind behind the scenes videos folks are taking of that but in regards to specifically with the Obi-Wan Kenobi series uh its production is now underway uh, as I mentioned uh e- Ewan McGregor made a bearded appearance on the Jimmy Kimmel uh show to talk about it uh, he said quote uh I got to play a very special scene on May the 4th with someone very special in my life close quote Oh, Christ. I wonder who that is that's making the oh. return to Star Wars.
0: That's a little tip off right there. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. Something tells me he, he filmed a scene with Hayden Christensen on May the 4th. Uh, but no, he, he teased about it, teased that there's going to be a slightly different costume, uh, than what you saw him in in episode three of oh, sure. Revenge of the Sith, which makes sense. I just know I cannot wait for this damn thing. I am super freaking excited.
0: You know, this is another one that I, I have full faith in the brass that runs the Star Wars oh, yeah. franchises on Disney Plus because they know with this one
1: they can't mess it up
0: yo if 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 they somehow find a way to have a miscue because i mean star wars let's face it hasn't had too many miscues right but if they mess up on obi-wan man yeah that'll be ridiculous but everything about this project you got to be in love with
1: it. oh absolutely uh and then switching over to my comic picks for the week you've got amazing spider-man issue number 66 of course nick spencer still writing enough said Uh, Captain America, issue number 29. And then over on the DC side of things, Justice League, issue number 61. And then Nightwing, issue number 80.
0: Man, you can't go wrong with that. Tom Taylor. Uh Uh-huh. Doing amazing things on Nightwing. And I definitely got to say, too, got to give a shout-out to Sh- or, uh, Scout Comics. Uh-huh. We are now on the press release list for them, so Ooh. definitely thank you for uh, adding the ODPH there. I mean, definitely want to shout them out. Shout Valiant Comics out, too. Man, we get a lot of comic news that we are starting to run through, and Pad is killing it with the picks. Definitely want to shout them out about that. So for my one-shots, I'm going to keep it kind of short and sweet because there was a couple things that kind of are coming up very quietly on the radar, you would say. The first and foremost, hitting Netflix this week, even though if you've been to some certain theaters, it uh, has been out for a little bit now, and Uh that is Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Which Dave Bautista is leading, and the titles just coming straight from Netflix right here. After a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble by venturing into the quarantine zone for the greatest heist ever. Okay. Zack Snyder blowing stuff up with zombies. Listen, I know I kind of dig into the Fast and Furious franchise... Because it's big summer action. Yeah. This is what I'm expecting from this. I'm uh-huh. not expecting anything that is going to be Oscar worthy except just some kick ass moments and Dave yeah. Batista just being Dave Batista. Yep. So I will be definitely checking it out this weekend. And Flying Under the Marvel Radar, so to speak. Yeah. Coming out Friday as well. Yeah. On Hulu. Mm hmm is modok oh yeah the stop motion animation film that forgot this, about that yeah this is really kind of flown under the radars of a lot of people but is finally coming out on hulu this week so definitely excited to see what they're going to do this the one with Patton Oswalt? yes Pat oswald is playing the title role of modok oh. and i will say this nobody is having a bigger run at marvel right now than possibly modok probably i mean from the avengers video game yep yeah. To he has his weird cult like following. So yeah. for, when when because I remember when I first heard about this, I was like, "Why are we getting a Modok show?" Now, yeah. granted, this was all grouped in their whole offenders uh, group that they were doing. That was yeah. supposed to be oh what? Uh, Howard the Duck was involved, yep. Yep. and a couple others, a couple other side characters. But this is the first one that we've seen that is really going to have something with it. Yeah, Patton Oswald is tagged as the big floating head of destruction that is only Modok. And they've been kind of teasing a little bit this is going to be about how he deals with his family and how he's uh, kicked out of AIM because he causes them to go bankrupt.
1: Yeah, I think I saw a clip for this. It reminds me a lot of, like, a robot chicken.
0: Yes, they borrow heavily from that. And that's not a bad thing, too. Like, it's not a rip on it by any means because what I've seen from it, I like. This definitely has an adult feel to it. Yeah. And especially with him dealing with his family, which, like I say, it's comics. It's reasons. I'm okay with this. It's going to be really interesting to see who's going to be dropping by to play uh, characters from the MCU. We do know one was leaked out that we are going to see an Iron Man appearance on this show. But it is not Robert Downey Jr. Mm. voicing him. It's John Hamm. Oh, okay. So I'm here for it. I'm definitely going to check it out. I know our guys over at ECA. Shout out to JT, Dom, and the rest of the crew are going to be talking with Jordan Bloom, who uh, they've had on the show before. He's connected to the project. I believe he's coming back on very soon to talk about the show debuting on Hulu. And, and like I tell you what, I'm definitely excited to go check this out. They did have the virtual panel at New York Comic Con last year, so I did yeah. see, did like what I saw. Like I say, it's going to be a different kind of show. It's going to be in that robot chicken field that Pat has talked about. Yeah. So I'm excited to go check it out. And like I say, it's only 10 episodes, I believe. And it's going to be something worth you know getting your MCU fix on because... If this takes off, who knows where it's going to get rolled into. Maybe we'll have another season. It's hard to say. Maybe a Ryan
1: Reynolds appearance in a future season. Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: anything I know. is kind of possible, but it just depends on how the show is is done and received. And like I said, early reports are saying all signs point to it's a hit. So definitely we'll give our opinion in the upcoming weeks on Modoc. So definitely, if you're a Hulu subscriber, go check it out. And definitely want to plug before we give the end credits here on the ODPH kicking off as we are talking right now on twitch.tv slash live stream for the cure. I cannot stress this enough. Follow, share, and donate if you can. There are some of the most amazing content creators on the planet donating their time and trying to raise money for Future Immune to Cancer a shout out to Nick from Nikolai's Kitchen, Justin from Epic Film Guys, and everybody connected to the event. This is such an honor to be a part of. We're going to be on Sunday, May 23rd, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Rich from 3FN and myself are going to be talking about 80s pro wrestling, the good, the bad, and the what the fuck. So we are going to be going on there. If you got time to donate, please donate to the cause. We have the links up on ODPH podcast dot com right there you can do donations it goes to the cancer research institute for future immune to cancer this is such a cool thing to be a part of and to see a lot of our podcasting content creating friends are participating as well of comics is kicking off the event we know so wizard is going to be involved with it gorilla brain is going to be doing some things too so definitely want to shout everybody out and just make sure to follow share and promote the event if you can't donate and seriously shout out to nick and justin for us to come back again So, Pad. that being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is that from Shout Out the Robots. They're great people. Yeah. Really like those people a lot. Uh, They have a lot going on. their Patreon. There's some new music rumbling. We're definitely due to talk to Julian and the boys very soon. Pad, how do I go about finding out about what they're up to? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You can check out everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with Brian Wolf who still is in town, we hear in the 607, kind of ah. kind of hopping around. Rumor has it, I don't know anything about a surprise show that he might pop up and play. We do know he's responsible for the Rumble Ponies getting back on the winning track. Facts. So you can find out everything going on with him and his new music that he's got coming out. You can go check out everything with Second Suitor, Yard Party, Floodlands, and Tom Jolu, who is rumored to be coming back on the ODPH next week. Stay tuned for that. Also on the ODPH webpage, you can go check out the directory, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Links, Support, and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in. Shout out to the Apocalypse. Shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Innered Circle. And of course, shout out to 607 Podcast and our good friends over at 8122productions.com. Lot of cool things going on with them. It's movie night, so we'll be doing a live reaction to the last dragon oh, this saturday okay. diesel will be in attendance you know diesel with a live mic yeah. on twitch yeah. is absolute gold folks so you definitely want to drop that follow on twitch.tv/67podcast and don't miss a minute of the content all of that parlay points the blog section of the show which we got some new stuff coming very very shortly for the t public store where you can get that parlay club shirt the hottest thing going in independent podcasting all that and so much more odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only, Paddle 1J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken of Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.